Alright, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Can you just rise to our feet quickly? Let's charge our spirit so that we can hear God's word today. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will. Not spiritual wisdom and understanding. I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. Pleasing Him in all respects. Bearing fruit in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It's giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said amen. Amen. That word will drive out every disease from your body today in Jesus' name. Amen. You are well totally from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Amen. No matter what cause... Naturally speaking, the doctors give it. The word does not care. The word just heals it entirely. Whether it's genetic, it is gone. Amen. It's caused by an infection, it is gone. Amen. It's a degenerative disease, it is gone. Amen. Even when they say it's of old age, it is gone. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. So the true service of God, that's what we have been looking at. And I want us to just continue... Again, from where we stop. I just feel like reading this portion of the Bible, First Corinthians chapter 10. Let us start with that, First Corinthians chapter 10. What we have been trying to do in all these teachings is just to emphasize to the people of God that the work of God is not just when you get up and go to church, but when you get up in the morning, just being your normal Christian, that's God's work, and you must put that diligence into it. The way you handle your home is the work of God. The way you do your business, that's God's work also. The integrity with which you preach messages, if you're a preacher. It's not the preaching that's the work. Yes, it's not. The more important work is for you to climb the pulpit. And you are preaching to very rich people. And you are poor. And you don't covet their goods. That is, you still purify your heart. Are you getting my point? That is the work. To preach is not hard. That was just to carry Bible. Use concordance. Arrange the scriptures and start reading everything together. That one is not difficult. But to be able to stand and then your wife has so annoyed you and you don't start preaching on submission. That is the work of God. <laughs> yeah, that's the Some preachers, <laughs> they reach out, they don't fight. Today's message is submission. <laughs> submission is a good topic, isn't it? But why today? That is the work of God. To be able to stand and say, no, my message is second coming of Jesus. Let me preach my second coming of Jesus. That's it. You know, there are, pastors don't realize that some of these things are, are very bad. Sin. You come to church, the church needs a roof. And you start preaching a message on leaking lives. <laughs> Why are the lives leaking? It is because the house of God does not have a roof. <laughs> You'll soon die, I'm telling you. All these wrong doctrines, they injure people. They're not good. People don't realize it. Like I always tell preachers, if you listen to this and you're a preacher, it's very simple to handle. Come and just say it like that. Brethren, our church, it's not the house of God, forget that rubbish. It's not the house of God. It's our church building. Because if it's the house of God, everybody's house they are coming from is the house of God. Do you follow my point? Their car is the house of God. 
They shared their awareness in the house of God. So don't, don't, don't even try to harass anybody with that. That building you gather inside is a building you gather inside. That's all it is. But it's not good it is leaking. I have priests where it's leaking before. And it's not good. So if it's not, if it's not supposed to leak, would, and like I always say jokingly, we will not go to Dangote just because he's the richest man in Africa. He should not be the one to give us money. It's an insult on our God. It's an insult. We don't go out to go and beg people who are not committed believers to come and give us money to do the work of ministry. We're insulting the Lord Jesus when we do that. So we'll talk to ourselves and just say simply, our roof needs to be properly installed. And we're not going out to go and beg. Who else will pay the money? Then we'll talk to ourselves. And when we say things honestly like that, brethren will respond. I've given this illustration before. I'm the president of my alumni fellowship. I've been for many years now. And that's how I handle matters. Last convention, they told me, sir, it looks like money is not together. And I see our God is so faithful that if money is not complete, we have a problem. He doesn't have a problem. So I told my brethren, the reason why what God is telling us is that we are misbehaving. I've checked it. Our expenses were not out of order. We're spending the way we should spend. So we're not extravagant in anything. So why, why was our money not balanced? We are not giving as we should. In all these years, I've been present. It happened twice. Once I wrote them an email, I said, listen, my brethren, this is happening simply because we have been growing, but we are pretending like we are not growing. That many of us give a 100,000 era offering towards the convention, and it looks so big. I give them a breakdown of what it takes to host one family. I said, brethren, you have increased. Stop pretending. Many of you drive down to convention with your cars bought brand new. You see, give me 100,000 naira. If I pray that tire, all the four tires will go down at the same time. Just start in the morning. Brand new motor tire will go down. It is me. As you are changing it, the next one goes down. Say, boy, come, come, come. God is telling you that you are not behaving like your level. We talk to, and I love my brother. We have come on the ready meal. Everybody responded. The next time it happened again, I said, no. we have inc- Because what happens is that as we are growing, our expenses will be growing. And the way the Lord has done it is that, of course, that's just the way life is. Not everybody is at the same level. So God gives most of the money to a few people. But then maybe they give an offering that they think is large and they relax. So I had to tell them, my brethren, your offering is not good. Don't deceive yourself. You may have given 500000 naira for the convention and you're excited. When God says you can drop $2 million, why are you behaving like this? So one of those, I just mounted the puppy like that. I tell brethren, guys, you are not doing well. And one brother left the hall, picked up his phone, phew, threw one million inside. I said, now you are behaving. Now this is what we are talking about. This is the will of God concerning you, your sanctification. This is sanctification. <laughs> it says simply, brethren, look, God, God ha- God's children are good people. They are not bad people. I'm talking about the work of God. Let me not leave that side, all right? So if you're a preacher, that's just for you to understand. Teach people the truth and say things the way they are. God will move. No, the Lord is good. That's all I can say. He's very good. He will arrange everything. He will give willing hearts. And He will bless those that have willing hearts. At the end of the day, everything will balance. But it is the work of God, back to where we began from, for you to discipline yourself and say, no matter what happens, this word must be handled with purity. This word must be handled with purity. It is, listen, just by the way, you know when you hear preachers, you know, 
Pastor Kimute will say something just now. That he was thinking of who will come and, at the program, um, the good of the land. Looking for who will come and lead prayer. He had, of course, I was preaching. Pastor Cosmo was preaching. He was just trying to bring other people that had not been there before. He said only, the only person you could think of was our Pastor Murphy. Why? That most preachers he knows, if you give them a microphone to pray, eh? the topic will change. Now this is where I'm going. Many preachers, are, they, are so, they are angry with the country. <laughs> you now give them a microphone to pray for the country. They would ask all the leaders that say we will not progress, die by fire. So God kills him by fire because he's one of those people that's not allowing us to progress. He doesn't know. Why? Because when he mounts the pulpit, he's angry. I've seen people praying before. Do you think what's going on in this country is correct? People are occupying positions you are supposed to occupy. I feel like, who told you you are supposed to occupy that position? And it's a prayer point. It's a prayer meeting. You see, this is indiscipline. I said, look, I really, when you said that thing, I said, look, that's what we need to keep on praying for the body of Christ. Our problem in Nigeria is not PDP or APC. Those are not the problems. It's just the body of Christ. I went somewhere once, a big man, general overseer of his own denomination, came all the way from Lagos to Enugu. And I went to the church that day. And I was saying, what kind of country? And these are people that claim they are praying for the country. Is this a country? What kind of country is this where people did not sit down to write a constitution? He forgets that Great Britain does not have a constitution. Many people don't know that. Oh, it's an un- unwritten document. Their own is in their hearts. And said, eh, this kind of nation that all kinds of people come together and they say they are one country. He forgets that America that he's living in right now, I know the man. It's a congregation of all kinds of human beings. Different colors, different ideas. In America, when you're on the street, you don't even know who is who. They say, which, which, they say Tiger Woods is what tribe. Nobody knows which ethnic group, or what do you call them now? Which race? Uh-huh. Nobody knows the race of Tiger Woods. Think about it. You never thought about it before. He's a mixture of everything. He has white in him. He has black. He has Asian. I think his grandmother, somebody is Thai, from Thailand. By the time you see Tiger Woods himself, does not know who he is. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we tell him that Barack Obama is a black president. I say, why is he not a white president? After all, he's half white. The guy is not a black president. Forget all of this lie we lie to ourselves and we just be deceiving ourselves. The guy is not a white black president. He's a white man who has a bit of Kenyan blood. How do I know that? His mother was pure white. His father was pure black, right? That's 50-50. Then he was raised in a pure white neighborhood. That's 90-10. Only 10% of that fellow is black. I'm happy to say that because I don't like him. So I can donate him to the white people. <laughs> you are getting my point. Now, but listen. But they are a country everybody wants to run to. Rufai said something which when I heard it, I said I never thought about it. They said diversity is our problem. He said, okay, let's think about it. That Somalia is one of the most unstable countries in the world. Yet they are all black, all the same race, all the same ethnic group, and all of them are Muslims. Yet they don't have a government in the center. 
that this there was a time when Muhammad, uh, uh, Farah did. I remember when Farah did was the problem. Then America came to arrest him and they killed all the Americans. The Clinton packed them and went back home. Then they have Al-Shabaab. They place the every day, as they are bombing in Iraq, there is bombing in Mogadishu. Erifai said, that is one country that they have everything Nigerians are claiming is what we need for there to be stability. He said it's not true. And I had to agree with him 100% because this was fact. Go and check it. Somalia is thoroughly unstable. Yet they are all Muslims. They are all black. They are mostly, if not everybody, the same ethnic group. Yet the pastor came up, disobeyed the scriptures entirely. And starts telling me Nigeria is not a country. Because it did not come together to arrange. Listen. As a preacher, it's not just to preach. You have nothing else in your heart. You don't have an ulterior motive. Nothing is pushing you to speak more than the fact that what you are saying, you know it to be the truth. And it's supposed to minister to the people of God. The real work is not that one, no. the preaching. The real work is to be able to come to that state where the Spirit of God can flow through you and you have not been confused by the secret things of dishonesty, like Paul would say, was writing to the Corinthians. That's God's work. God's work is I'm going to work. I work for federal government. With what attitude am I going inside there? That's what the work of God is. It's not just the... No. It's not the physical movements. It's those things behind in the heart that's propelling what we are doing outside. That is where the real work is. What I would to do over the last uh, few weeks is to explain to people that, listen, most of us are not preachers. Ministry is not about preaching alone. All of us should be able to preach. Not only should be able to, all of us should communicate the gospel to people. But there are those who are, in quote, called to be preachers and teachers of the word of God. Paul talked about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But he now said, we've deduced that from Romans chapter 12, that their own job, he said, is to stir up the grace that is in the other people in the body of Christ. Everybody is a minister. But these people stir up the grace. They teach them how to handle the graces upon them. How do we know that Paul said, through the grace given to me, I say to all of you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think, think so as to have sound judgment, as God has given to each one a measure of grace. They now began to talk about the dispensation of grace in the life of each person. Everybody is ministering. Very important. So what is ministry? First, that is, what is our job as, as believers? First, that's the primary thing. We are building ourselves into the exact image of Christ by imbibing his word. That was the first thing we established. If you are not doing that, no matter what you are doing outwardly, you are deceiving yourself, you are lying. We have read from the scriptures that it is possible to do everything people call ministry. Build denominations. Build churches. Go to difficult areas. We have seen from the words of Paul that it is possible for somebody to so serve God, in quote, and give himself up to be burnt. And Paul said, and profit nothing. Which tells you all these suicide bombers, you understand. Paul already told us what will happen to them. He said, because what they are doing is not motivated by love. So if you, look, it's not now. People were giving themselves up to be burnt in the times of Paul. So you go and blow yourself up. Seventy nothing. In fact, seventy evil spirits are waiting for you. 
in life, stop looking for what we call reward, what we human beings call reward. The reward of God is not the way human beings look at it. The day I found that one out, serving God even became easier, even though for many people it appeared more difficult. God doesn't promise you anything material as your reward. The reward he promises believers, reward, is that you will see the fruit of your labor and you will be glad. That's the reward of the Christian. <laughs> People say when you give an offering 5,000, God will make it half a million. God gives you half a million because you gave 5,000. You know what that means? It means next time be able to give half a million. It doesn't mean eat half a million. If you eat a half a million, you'll get a goiter. Yes, that's scripture. If you eat, if you, look, the Bible says, it's in the scripture like that, Paul was writing. He said, God will multiply your, what? Seed for sowing. And increase the harvest of your righteousness. What is that harvest? You see what, what Bible is talking about. He said, listen, what was the profit that Jesus gained? It was simply that, let me summarize it. He did not die in vain. That's the profit. If you do a job well, God rewards you with more job to do. Because you have shown that you are a good one. He rewards you. That is it. So you have been faithful in a little thing. Now I reward you with plenty. No, he didn't say so. He said be in charge of plenty. That's the way it is. It's, you are in charge. So we believers, if we are faithful in little, then God gives us the opportunity to be faithful in much. Very important. So, when we are doing things, therefore, I was trying to explain... Paul said, people can give up their bodies to be burnt, but they don't have love. He said, it profits them nothing. It profits them nothing. So when we are walking in life, listen, it's that those things that are inside us are the things that are more important. Those are the things that are the work of God, really. For us to be shaping ourselves. You see, as I go, I want to explain it again today. Because actually what God is doing, alright, he will do once he has people who are available to let him walk through them. God does not want people who can walk for him. He wants people he can walk through. Did you hear what I said? He doesn't want people who can walk for, but he wants people he can walk through. So that he will be the one at work within the boat to will and to do. So Paul can plant, Apollos may water, but that increase is God that is actually working it out in everybody. That is why he is so concerned about what people are becoming, not what they are doing. Because if they become the right thing, he can do everything that he's supposed to do through them. That's why he's so emphatic about it. And that's one of the things I want to talk about again today. This power of grace, which we, come, which we get back to again and again. Grace is that which God is accomplishing as I'm making myself available for him to use. As God is walking through me, then we say that's grace manifested. So believers, no. It's not as if we are trying hard to go and do something for God, no. We just ensure that he can walk through us. So among the things we have said, I'm just trying to do it because we've been on it for some time. This is like the 11th day on it, so we have to just review a bit so that we can pick up from here again. Among the things that we have seen, we have seen that our job is to demonstrate God's invisible reality. One thing I said about last or two weeks ago is that anywhere God wants to go, the first thing he does is what? Send people ahead. Like I was saying, it's those who wants to walk through. So if he doesn't have people to send ahead, he can't come there. It's not only in church. There are many kingdoms in the world. Everywhere must become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. How does he do it? He sends two by two. He sends them in pairs. He sends people there. 
in pairs. They say two is the number of what? Apostle. Two is the number of what? Man of God, though. I asked you for two. Why do people do like this? I know it. I just want to test you. Any other man of God that knows it? All of us are very happy now. They say, no, I'm not a preacher. He says, Jesus, that's a preacher. <laughs> they say, two is the number of agreement. Uh, you know, we manuf- I can manufacture two. One is the number of unity. Two is the number of agreement. Three is the number of trinity. Four is the number of uh, something. Then five is the number of grace. What is four? This man doesn't know numerology. Six is the number of what? Man. Oh, that's very good. Six is the number of man. Seven is number of rest or perfection. Eight is number of a new beginning. Nine is number of something. Six upside down. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Ten is the number of uh, commandments. Uh-huh. Eleven is the number of uh, 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 Judas has died. <laughs> Twelve is the number of apostleship. Anything more than that, you're on your own. <laughs> the Lord is good. So he sends them out two by two. If every Christian understands and they're in agreement, let's use that two as number of agreement, that this is the assignment of God, then God can come in and manifest himself in that particular place. Don't ever forget. It's not just, Christian, it's not just preachers. It's every single person. And while they are there, what does he say? He said, go there until I come. He said, the places that he wants to come to. So he said, be busy until I come. Exercise your gift until I come. All right? Continue that transformation of Christ-likeness in your life until I come. Don't look, like I said, let me say it again. God is not so interested in our ambitions. He will open doors for you. You will not have a choice but to walk through those doors. That's the way it is. What we need to do to exercise ourselves concerning is where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be doing while I am improving my Christ-like nature on a daily basis? You find those things. God, look, any other thing that comes to your mind, pray about it. Ah, you know, you see, you know, we often overlook, it's lack of faith. We overlook a lot of the direct instructions of the Lord Jesus and the apostles. He said, don't be concerned about anything. Just pray about everything. He said, ask the Father. He will give it to you. And Jesus was, he was real about it. He told them there was crisis. He said, if I wanted deliverance now, I will ask the Father for 12 legions of angels and they will drag me out of here. He said, people like to panic. You never saw him panic. Look, one of you think, I talk about work of Christ, the work of God, is to build these things into you. You know, Jesus never panicked one day. Ah, I pray we we'll we'll all get to that point, including me. That no matter what, you won't panic. You couldn't get him to run a helter skater. Be shooting, that's your problem. First thing he does is to just bow his head down. What is going on? The Holy Spirit would not leave him in the dark. What prayer do I ask for the Father? What is in that such times? Ask for protection. And the Holy Spirit just say, okay, you go over there. Stay here. Or follow this man. Move out of this place. But panic not Jesus. They were in the midst of a storm. They woke him up. His only was like, why, why all the panic? You know, an average person should be able to understand why Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Matthew, all of them, should be panicking. Think about it. Peter told him simply, are you not bothered that we're about to die? If you're about to die, you should panic. 
Then Jesus looked at him and said, why were you panicking? As if he couldn't see the trouble. And listen, and that's his attitude. Don't panic. I told you again and again, which is true. God, oh, God is so kind to me. <laughs> when they say Naira is going like this, dollar is going this way, I every day ask my wife. I used to laugh about it. I said something about it one day in my office. One man decided that, he said, sir, I'm sure you bought a lot of forex and stored it up. That's why you are not bothered. And that's what, it hit me that the guy was correct. Very correct. He said, like, how much do you have laid up in forex? I said, you can't count it. It's too plenty. I said, except that it's not called forex. It's called spirex. It's spiritual exchange. Everything the Lord Jesus said, we should learn, all right, to walk by it. We'll learn to, because listen, if you, why I talked about that is that, if he says, all right, don't be anxious about anything. Just ask the Lord about it. It means if you are walking somewhere now, you say, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be, and I'm proving faithful, I'm occupied, we have agreed now, until he comes, by exercising my gift. If something comes to my mind, I say, this is where I would rather be, or this is where I believe that my destiny might lie, we are not always very sure about that, okay? Then what do you do? You just bow your heads there and ask the Lord for it. And then continue your work. But you know, we are so good at disobeying Jesus. Christians are so good, they will start explaining it away. He said, pray for your enemies. We say, pray for so that they will die. And we, we have whole movement on the killing of enemies. My father, my maker. As I begin to pray. All, every power, fighting my destiny, die by fire. All those satanic prayer, we turn it into a culture. It's so painful. We turn satanic prayer, witchcraft prayer, into culture. Into a Christian culture. And people are bragging about it. All my enemies, you will die by fire. If you pray like that, you are not well. And me saying it like that is the nicest thing I could muster myself to say. If you know what I wanted to say, you run out of here. Actually, I won't say it again. But what I wanted to say, I can't even say it. Let me leave it. No, because the Lord Jesus, the first instruction he gave concerning praying was, please, when you think somebody's your enemy, ask the Lord to have mercy on him. Do good to him. Pray that he doesn't go to hellfire. Pray that you have the knowledge of truth. Why? Because you have one enemy. He said your adversary, the devil. He didn't say your chief adversary, the devil. He said your adversary, the devil. That is the only person that's your adversary is the devil. It's not Boko Haram. Paul said, who's your adversary? Is the devil. Peter said it. Your adversary, the devil, goes around seeking whom he may devour. Who you should resist steadfast in your faith. It's the work of God to bring yourself to a point where you are convinced about these things. That's God's work. In fact, it's good because today I'm, I'm going on into the matter of prayer. Because prayer is God's work. That's what I wanted to get into today. Eventually, I was going to get there. So it's good I'm saying these things. Please, if you've not been coming around for a school of prayer, please go and get our messages that we have prayed on it. We have preached, sorry, on prayer. All of them are available on our website, pastor.ng. You can download all of them. Instead of gathering money to send your children to expensive education that you cannot even afford, which does not do anything for them anyway, 
They just come back with another certificate and queue up for a job, just like everybody else. Doesn't make them smart, doesn't make them wise. They are as stupid as the average people on the road. The godliness that was inside them before has even reduced in quality. Facts. All this road noise we are making. Listen, um, Ora Roberts said the worst decision of his life was to send his son to Stanford. He, to send his son to Stanford. In case you don't know what Stanford is, Google came out of Stanford. Most of these technological companies that come out of the U.S., the people are Stanford graduates. What you and I call Google today, the search engine, was a Ph.D. work, all right, of Sergey Brin and Larry Page, as they were Stanford students. This is the top, cream de la cream, you know, <laughs> get my point, top of the food chain university in the United States. When you want that technology, people who go to and invent things, they went to Stanford. If you want to be speaking English, become a lawyer, you go to Harvard. But you want an engineer, you send him to Stanford. Yet, Ora Roberts said, it is the worst, it was the worst decision of his life. Because he said, his son went there as a vibrant believer. He came back an agnostic. Finally, they never got that boy's head correct again. He went on drugs. He would be in rehab. He got a divorce. At the end of the day, the boy woke up one morning, drove his car to a lonely place, pulled out the gun and killed himself. The only thing Orarobos traced it to was that he, a preacher, stood up one day and made the decision to send his son to a godless environment to be trained. He said, it's the worst decision I ever made. Yet we sit down and brag about rubbish. People that you give a book, read, they say it's expensive, 2005. Yeah, they'll look for $10,000, $20,000 to pay fees. Yet, what will make a child succeed? Go and, read it, go and listen to it, it's free on, online. How to bless your children. Listen, no matter the degree they have, uh, Harvard, Stanford, Princeton, Unilag, let's even add Nigeria, UNN, Covenant University, if they don't have a blessing working on their lives, all that will happen is that they will kill for a job at the door of the man or of the woman who has a blessing working in her life. That's what is going to happen. With their Stanford degree, they will come and meet Dangote. Good afternoon, sir. Do you have anything for us? That's all that will happen. They will kill for a job and be managing companies built by men that did not go to school. Let's put our priorities where things are supposed to be. Am I saying good education is bad? No, I didn't say so. I just said it's inferior to the power of a blessing. I just finished, I, you know, after I finished speaking today, Pastor Cosmas and I were, were talking. He said, that thing you said, he now gave me a testimony story he knows. Let me just, because of the way he told me. He said, a young man like that, went to school, now went abroad, did learn this one, and came back home. After some time, let me make a long story short, he committed suicide. So when everybody was not greeting the parents, sorry, oh, sorry, oh. Said the mother said, let's just assume the guy's name was Sam. It wasn't Sam, it was something. Said that the Sam we sent out of this country was not the Sam that came back. You know, people don't think about all of these things. They need to gather money and send a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old, to a godless environment. And you are bragging, where's your son? He's in, he's in heaven. The boy can't quote to scripture. You, but, you know, we, we don't, I pray we believers understand all right, I pray that we will understand what's actually valuable. He said, a son, a child that understands righteousness and justice, with a blessing from the parents, 
We go further in life and all the degrees all over the world will queue for the guy to help them. Listen, listen. <laughs> One of the things I want to read today, alright, is that Jesus gave us a commandment. Men ought always to pray and not to get tired and not to faint and not to lose heart. When he said that, he was telling them this is the key to breakthrough. This is the key to victory. This is the key to success. Not all these you guys are pursuing. He said, men ought always to pray and not get tired. Paul said, be devoted to prayer. That's why that's, that's I even went into that. So people, are, they've learned a lot of bad praying. Because right now, Nigerians are devoted to rubbish praying. It's painful. The church is so devoted to nonsensical praying. Fighting spirits, inventing names. In Kubus to Kubus, Asmondius and Asmondius. And using it to pray. Things you don't find in the scriptures. We just turn this thing to, 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 to life and we think we are praying. You see some prayer manuals, you look through it. And say, if you were God, will you answer these prayers? Spend a whole night asking everybody to die. We are engaged in, in the kind of warfare that Jesus said, Okay, if this was necessary, why would I have died? I would have just left you guys to be fighting. People are fighting spirits that Jesus said, listen, they have been brought to nothing. I don't know what I get the point. You are fighting spirits that he said have been brought to nothing. Listen, if we are devoted to serious prayer, believe me, the kind of result. Look, people are killing. for one year, you've been killing enemies. So the whole world is against you. Don't you think you have a problem? Listen, it's one of two things. Either your enemies are actually not dying, or you keep on manufacturing new enemies. As you kill off one, two will grow up. You know, those kind of, you watch uh, films like um, Hercules. You, you remove the head of a dragon, two will grow out of the neck. You cut those ones, it becomes four. Maybe that's what's happening. Or let's forget it, you're not praying the right prayers. You're not. Please, get to our series. There are many, the, why, why I went to all of that is, we have the series there. How to bless your children. How to bless your children. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures, he said, the poor and the rich, they have one thing in common. God is the maker of them all. And when I read that scripture, the understanding that just came to my mind was this. God was saying, in effect, whatever the poor man can achieve, the rich man can achieve, the poor can also achieve it. If they understand how to tap into the power of God. Anyway, the Lord is good. So we're working for God when we're using all of these principles, bringing the light of God. Remember we said, be occupied until he comes. We pray about things. We ask God specifically, this is what I want to do. Grant this to me. He does a number of things. If the request is good, he amplifies it in your heart, and you remain with it. If the request is bad, the more you pray about it, the less interest you have in the thing. After a while, it passes away. That's how we give, commit our ways to the Lord. All right? Well, wherever we are, he said we are to shine light. Don't forget that. We keep on shining the light of God. I said that, I taught that extensively last time. If you are not around, please make sure you get the CD for last uh, Saturday, in which I explained extensively the fact that, listen, when a curse is released, the curse does not just scatter things. It makes people, it makes them foolish. They start doing things that are wrong. Ahitophel will give you counsel, sound. Able to get you victory, but you will, re- you will reject it. Your name is um, Rehoboam. 
Rehoboam, people will come and tell this is how to move your country forward. You will reject it. Why? Because the curse has been released. And I'm about to drag this, thro- this throne all right, out of your hands. I'm going to split this nation and reserve just two tribes for Judah to rule over. That is for the house of David to retain the promise I gave to him. So the men became stupid. So that's why people are kept in bondage. But our emphasis is the other way around. When blessing is about to come again to their lives, God gives them wisdom. The Bible says that he reserves wisdom for the upright. He starts teaching them what is right to do. He starts telling them this is the proper way to run businesses. This is how to run ministries. This is how to run a home. Without the life of God, they couldn't tap into that wisdom. And like I said last time, this is a job of believers. Wherever God places you, start teaching the wisdom of God. And it's not just with words first. Words are second. The first thing you do is to start living it out. You start living the wisdom of God out. We walk in the place, everybody is finding how to earn more and do less. You find a lesson. Let me, I can earn more, no problem, but let me do more. Let me create more value inside here. I, the, my boss must be making more money than he's paying me. Otherwise, I'm not a profitable servant. Do you get my point? Uh, if the man is, is running a business, he's giving me, just to make it easy, easy to understand, he's giving me uh, five, 500 naira. I mean, at least my conscience is at least in the least I can do is make sure that my presence with him is giving him a thousand. Otherwise, I'm not a profitable servant. I should be unwilling to remain there. If my, I mean, a man is shedding out 500 naira and he can't say my presence is giving him at least, I mean, a thousand. So that we'll split it. You take 500, I take 500. It's a mindset. You, know, you may not be able to get up and deliberately create that immediately, but you have that mindset. One brother the other day, we were talking, he works on one of these big multinationals, all right, in the oil and gas industry. When they were just talking, he said, ah, he said, oh God, I have to do this. I have to save my company money. That's why they pay me. So when they want to do procurement, he's there, inspecting it, making sure the goods are good, making sure that he gets the best deal for their company, making sure that any time the company needs something and they send him to go and represent them, he gets them the best deal. He told me, this is why I am paid. I have to be worth the money they are paying me. And when they are doing procurements, it's not 5,000 naira. It's not, I mean, they, they talk 50 million, you know, 100 million, 500 million, 1 billion. That kind of amount of money is what I'm talking about. Now, I'm just trying to emphasize something. So what we do is that we go to places, that's what we call the light of Christ. We start leaving it out. We have a different attitude. Everybody says, I'm, you know, I'm going to end some more. He says, no, 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 I must input some more. My presence must be a blessing. That mindset is different. You are teaching people how to live differently. They are, you know, not just teaching now. You are living differently. Why are you like this? That's how you share your faith. Some people shouldn't preach. Oh. Do you get my point? Some people should not preach. Do you know why? They immunize people against the gospel. You know they call immunization? A small dose of something. People become resistant. I've heard it before. That one is a Christian. I don't want to be one. You've heard it before. There are people that, look, you're in working offices, you don't have a... And listen, these testimonies are not difficult to generate. It's not as if, let me go there and go and do good. No. Just be a normal Christian. And don't worry. There are simple things you don't need to be told. When they are stealing, don't steal. I mean, do we need to preach about that? When they are forging receipts, don't join them. The other ones people don't know. When they are speaking evil of their bosses, don't join them. 
And I said, are you telling me that everything the man does is right? He said, no, I don't know. I'm, I don't, I'm not saying so. But just that he's my boss, I'm forbidden to do this. Simple. When they are conspiring, don't join conspiracies. Why? You are doing Mr. Do Good. No, I'm not doing any Mr. Good, Do Good or Miss Do Good. This is my life. I'm not used to conspiracies. Why are you doing this? This is my faith. That's my life. Let's do this one and I don't cut corners. No problem. We will cut the corner, but we will write it down in our report. Corner cutting segment. This was when... <laughs> it's true. Sometimes people ask me counsel. I say, okay, is this right? Is it wrong? I say, can you tell your boss? If the answer is no, then it's wrong. Leave it. Let's not find out where it is in the scripture. If you can't tell the man, then leave it now. And when we start living like that, that's what I'm going to make. Listen, these things are not... Let me just quickly add this one to it, and I'll leave that segment. Continue. Nobody say this is easy. And that's what I want to emphasize. We are saying it is right. And if we know what is right, we start working to making sure we live according to that which is right. We start praying. You cannot force yourself to change an environment. You just live your life as you understand righteousness. And this is what I want to talk about today. And you learn to pray. You learn to pray about things. And I want to talk about that. Then we're talking about the work of God. You know, we're explaining it. It's not that I leave my office, I go to church, I'm a good Christian. No. That my office is a place where I demonstrate my Christianity. That my business is a place where I demonstrate my Christianity. People should be able to walk into your office, uh, I mean, your business place, and have a different environment. And feel it that it's, even later they will discover that you're a Christian. You're getting my point here? I have a few te- personal testimonies, which when I heard, I said, wow. One day, one of my class captains came to my office many years ago. I mean, he's a big man now. He's a doctor now. So he sat down. I said, class captain, what's going on? He said, nothing, sir. He was depressed. He was unhappy. He failed an exam. Things were rough. I said, what is it? He said, nothing, sir. I just want to sit in your office. I said, oh, go ahead, sit. So he sat. He said, I just want to sit here. So he came, he sat, and I didn't talk to him. I continued my work. After he had sat long enough, what is the problem? I can't remember the detail, whether we discuss anything, but he told me he just came to sit. Why are you sitting? That he needs, he needs an ambience, let me use my own words now, to improve his state. He said, I just wanted to come to sit. So I said, okay, go ahead, sit down there. I just ignored him, and I continued my work. I mean, I've had situations again and again. Students come to talk. Why? They didn't even know. It was someone I came to town. They didn't even know I was a preacher. So the way this my lecturer talks, he can't help me with these issues I'm having. Only to find out later that this guy is actually a preacher. Are you getting my point? I told him once I was in the office. One lady who had, we had worked together called me. Please, sir, where are you? I need to see you. I thought it was something serious. When she came, she said, eh, and you didn't tell us. I said, tell us, tell you what? <laughs> You didn't even tell us. What am I supposed to tell you? So a book with one of her friends. And then she, she, borrowed, she wanted to borrow the book. In the process of it anyway, she turned the book over and saw my photograph at the back that I was the author. She said, I know this man. We work together. So that's why she said, rushing, where are you? I need to see you. Finally, she came. She saw me that day. And I said, hey, you didn't tell us. You didn't tell us where the... What am I supposed to tell you? She now made a statement, which I give God glory. She said, no wonder you're different. 
Now, she never expatiated on my difference. Whether that's why I'm black like this, I don't know. <laughs> she didn't tell me that. She just said, no wonder you are different. Let me tell you the truth. Eh? <laughs> this Christianity, be careful yourself. Oh. What did I say? Be careful yourself. Oh. Like, we, like we say in Nigeria. There are times I'd be thanking God, say, Lord, thank you that I didn't embarrass you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, what I'm talking about, you know, there are many places I've been to. You just you finish being yourself. Some of you just come, Pastor Monkey, how are you, sir? Huh? And I say, Father, thank you. The name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That would didn't disgrace you. One day, my landlord, this really happened. I called, normally my rent is due at a particular time, and a few days before it's due, I called my landlord's son and and I might deal with him. I give him the check to cover the next year's rent. So one day I wanted to pay him. I just called him. Once I called, this was a few days before the rent was due. So once I called that week, he knows why I'm calling. I just thought, hey, where are you? Where can I draw the check? Stuff like that. So that he was hailing me. Hey, this man. This man, you always pay. You are one of the few tenants that, you know, he talk, 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 talk. Anyway, that's not the gist. Then one day, the, my landlord is an elderly man. He's um, 80-something, maybe like 83 now, thereabout. 83, 84, yes. Is it? No. It can't be less than 85. So one day. Now, I'm chaplain to a fellowship of, of senior citizens. I didn't start it. They, they, well, some people started it. So they normally have a chaplain. So the chaplain that was there before got transferred out of town. And I preached for them a number of times because I, I preached somewhere else where one of them was present. So I was invited. So they announced they needed a new chaplain. So they approached me and I accepted to do the work. So a number of us here, they've been there with me. All right? And we'll do some of the work even here to help out. So we now organize the program. So people were inviting people, you know, and our invitation is not for younger people. Generally, the typical um, member is 70, 80. That's the kind of age, okay? So I preach there most of the time. Once in a while, we have guests during our meetings. So now why am I talking about it? One of the guests for that day was now my landlord. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, praise God, though. <laughs> Do you understand? They came in, and he saw me, and they said, this is our chaplain, Dr. Lucino, you know, that kind of thing. All right. I think that day I was even the one that preached, conducted the whole meeting, and <laughs> so my mind is that assuming that I refuse to pay this man's money, <laughs> as I'm preaching, you'll be looking at me like this. <laughs> the man will just be looking at me, say, "This boy, okay, I will soon get you." So yeah, and and the man is a preacher, you know, the elderly man. He's also yeah, he runs a ministry. He didn't know all of this about me until that day that he just entered the place and saw. Ah, who's the chaplain of the place where I was invited to come and fellowship with them today? Is this young man? So I told my wife, I said, Praise God, though. Listen, as a, as a Christian, let me tell you the truth. Eh? Everything you are doing, just know you are representing Christ. Yes, so please represent him properly. Yes, please represent him properly. Even, listen, now, eh, because of my own ministry work, I meet people in strange places. Now I have to behave myself regularly now. You can't even just peace on the road anyhow, because. <laughs> you see, that's Pastor Frank, and I need peace for that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. okay, we still remember they were coming from Makodi. And one uh, highway patrolman stopped our vehicle. And the man was looking at me. After some time, he said, please, sir, can I know you? He said, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a university teacher. I wanted to just play it cool. I said, well, I'm also a pastor. Ah, he said, Pastor Banky. Uh, yeah, that's it. Inside the bush on the way to Makodi, he just said, he said, he'd been looking at me, just grabbed my two hands like this and screamed. 
That's why I told Kimothy, man must behave himself. <laughs> yeah, you just have to behave yourself because you don't, that's a matter of fact. Alright? So it's very important for us believers to understand this. Whatever we are doing, really. And that's where the work is. That's what I want to emphasize. That's where the work is. It's not easy. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not fleshy. You can't use determination and say, I'm going to be a good Christian. You will have been a bad Muslim before you realize that you were anything at all. Yeah. And that's where prayer comes in. Do you understand? We have to do everything with the power of prayer. Not by ourselves, but with the power of what? Prayer. Very important. Now, so that's, that's what we've been talking about. Let's just continue that. So, I just wanted to emphasize that to let us know that praying is a way by which we do these things. We activate grace by prayer. Whatever we are doing in life is not by our own strength. It's by the grace of God. One of my uh, most important topics that I'd like to teach on is our grace topic. Grace, like I said at the beginning, whatever we are doing is not by our strength. But God is walking through us because we are available. That's the way it is. God is walking through us. We have to activate that power of grace in our lives. Very important. Now, the part of it that we are looking at today is that matter of prayer. Very important. Now, let me say something. I want to talk about... Okay, remember I said earlier that wherever we go, it's because God wants to come in there. Now, there's something we must understand. Let's talk about praying now. I'm, I'm getting to that issue of praying as part of working for God. Many of us, most of us believers, we are taught to pray concerning our personal needs. Now, remember I said we go to places, God says, it's because I want to come there, that's why I've sent you. Go there, be occupied. Now, one thing many of us have not been taught to do is for us to take our place of work and be praying for the place as an assignment from God. What's, listen, Satan is very terrible. His job is to make us do the opposite of what God wants us to do. What we do most of the time, without realizing it, is what the Bible calls accusation. Let me tell you what accusation is. Let me tell you something about temptations. Most of the time we fall for temptations, we don't even know we are falling for it already. Yes. You know, the the, 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 the interesting side is that we often look at those things that we call sin. You know? Did I steal money? Did I tell a lie? That is a frank lie you can see. How many of you were there? It was only me, sir. Meanwhile, you know there were four. You know, those obvious lies. Uh-huh. You know, did I commit adultery? Those kind of things are the only things we call sin. And that is sad. That is sad. Because once we can check all of those things, I didn't do that, I didn't do that, I didn't take anybody's money, we feel as if we have done what is right. But like I said on Tuesdays, we'll be talking about Ephesians and the book of Colossians. We've seen that for Christians, the law, writing laws for Christians is extremely difficult because Christianity is alive. Being a disciple of Christ is a living thing. Christianity is alive. So we can't just say, okay, these are the laws of Christianity. Every day as we are living, we are discovering new things. Okay? And when Paul was speaking, he was giving us a guide. That's why he gave a few commandments. Don't lie to one another. Don't cheat each other. All those kind of things. But if we look at it, working according to the principle of love for God and love for man, there are many things that he says a Christian is not supposed to do. That many of us that do, don't even realize they are sins. Let me, I'll give you a few examples. Let me tell you the kind of sin you commit every day you don't realize. Most of us. We sit down, analyze everything Buhari has done wrong. Let me tell you, it's a sin. You are, you are breaking the law of God. You sit down, you drive to Onitsha and back. Onitsha used, used to be, when I first came to Enugu, to Onitsha was one hour. But of course, last week, two weeks ago, how many hours was Onitsha? 
five. Uh-huh. Those, uh, somebody even said six. And in fact, that's the best timing. There was no guarantee. When you reach there, you calculate them. <laughs> there are those who get there in five hours because they left early. So what about those who went late that day? Now, if I say this, it surprises a lot of people. Do you know any time you come back and sit down and start whining about how bad the road is, you are just committing the iniquity that did not let people enter the promised land. But when you say, one day I told one of my friends when I was in school, they are not supposed to complain food is bad. Because there's a problem with it. Once you start eating the food and you started with Thanksgiving, you have removed your ability to whine about the food. You can't complain about the quality. You can't complain about the size. You must start the food with Thanksgiving and end it with rejoicing. Do you know that's the law of Christianity? This guy breathes out like, my father, my father, my father. <laughs> that, that's a lot of Christianity. Now, Christianity is not um, no big joke. It's not a joke at all. Many of us don't realize it. Every time you settle down and sit down and all this normal criticism of government that we do, do you know it's a sin every single time? Do you know why? It's simple. Because in life, you have to choose the side you are on. You are either an intercessor or you are an accuser. That's just the way it is. And the truth is that you will know, this is a matter of fact, if you are going to settle down and criticize and complain, you can't pray at the same time. They don't go together. And if you have prayed, all right, and interceded, you can no longer criticize and whine. You are forced by simple training of faith not to counteract the things that you have prayed about. So it's easy to know Christians who are not praying for the country. It's easy. Or who their prayers have no meaning. Because every time you sit down, sit them down, they whine about power supply, whine about security, whine about bad roads, whine about government, whine about every single thing. That is the very sin why people could not enter into the promised land. See why I tell you that it's been so hard for God to bless even the one he wanted to. If it destroyed people who said you can't enter the promised land, why will he bless people now? Has it changed? No. And many of us don't realize, like I said, it's work. We're talking about work for God. Okay, God places you somewhere. He doesn't want to hear whining. He doesn't want to hear complaining. What he wants to hear from you every day is what? Intercession. I said go and teach in a secondary school in Enugu State. You are under the, state, uh, the school's management board. God said, listen, these are things I want to hear from you and I don't want to hear. One, I don't ever want to hear anyone whining about your salary. I don't want, and listen, not whining to him, or whining to anybody. Because the Bible says, those that fear the Lord speak often one to another, and the Lord heard. 